Section eight of a tale of a tub by Jonathan Swift. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The learned Aeolists maintain the original cause of all things to be wind, from which principle this whole universe was at first produced, and into which it must at last be resolved, that the same breath which had kindled and blew up the flame of nature should one day blow it out. Quod procul a nobis flectat fortuna gubernans. This is what the adepti understand by their anima mundi, that is to say, the spirit, or breath, or wind of the world, or examine the whole system by the particulars of nature, and you will find it not to be disputed. But whether you please to call the former informans of man by the name of spiritus, animus, afflatus, or anima, what are all these but several appellations for wind? which is the ruling element in every compound, and into which they will resolve upon their corruption. Further, what is life itself, but, as it is commonly called, the breath of our nostrils, whence it is very justly observed by naturalists that wind still continues of great emolument in certain mysteries not to be named, giving occasion for those happy epithets of turgidus and inflatus applied either to the evident or recipient organs by what i have gathered out of ancient records i find the compass of their doctrine took in two and thirty points wherein it would be tedious to be very particular however a few of their most important precepts deducible from it are by no means to be omitted among which the following maxim was of much weight that since wind had the master share as well as operation in every compound by consequence those beings must be of chief excellence wherein that primordium appears most prominently to abound and therefore man is in highest perfection of all created things as having by the great bounty of philosophers been endued with three distinct animas or winds to which the sage aeolus with much liberality have added a fourth of equal necessity as well as ornament with the other three by this quartum principium taking in the four corners of the world which gave occasion to that renowned cabalist bombastus of placing the body of man in due position to the four cardinal points in consequence of this their next principle was that man brings with him into the world a peculiar portion or grain of wind which may be called the quinta essentia extracted from the other four this quintessence is of catholic use upon all emergencies of life is improvable into all arts and sciences and may be wonderfully refined as well as enlarged by certain methods in education this when blown up to its perfection ought not to be covetously boarded up stifled or hid under a bushel but freely communicated to mankind Upon these reasons, and others of equal weight, the wise Aeolists affirm the gift of belching to be the noblest act of a rational creature. To cultivate which art and render it more serviceable to mankind, they made use of several methods. At certain seasons of the year, you might behold the priests amongst them in vast numbers, with their mouths gaping wide against a storm. At other times would be seen several hundreds linked together in a circular chain, with every man a pair of bellows applied to his neighbour by which they blew up each other to the shape and size of a ton and for that reason with great propriety of speech did usually call their bodies their vessels when by these 
and the like performances they were grown sufficiently replete they would immediately depart and disembogue for the public good a plentiful share of their acquirements into their disciples chaps we must here observe that all learning was esteemed among them to be compounded from the same principle because first it is generally affirmed or confessed that learning puffeth men up and secondly they proved it by the following syllogism words are but wind and nothing is nothing but words ergo learning is nothing but wind for this reason the philosophers among them did in their schools deliver to their pupils all their doctrines and opinions by erectation wherein they had acquired a wonderful eloquence and of incredible variety but the great characteristic by which their chief sages were best distinguished was a certain position of countenance which gave undoubted intelligence to what degree or proportion the spirit agitated the inward mass for after certain gripings the wind and vapours issuing forth having first by their turbulence and convulsions within caused an earthquake in man's little world distorted the mouth bloated the cheeks and gave the eyes a terrible kind of relievo at which junctures all their belches were received for sacred the sourer the better and swallowed with infinite consolation by their meagre devotees and to render these yet more complete because the breath of man's life is in his nostrils therefore the choicest most edifying and most enlivening belches were very wisely conveyed through that vehicle to give them a tincture as they passed their gods were the four winds whom they worshipped as the spirits that pervade and enliven the universe and as those from whom alone all inspiration can properly be said to proceed however this chief of these to whom they performed the adoration of Lutria, was the almighty north an ancient deity whom the inhabitants of megalopolis in greece had likewise in highest reverence omnium deorum buriam maxime celebrant this god though endued with ubiquity was yet supposed by the profounder aeolists to possess one peculiar habitation or to speak in form a calum imperium wherein he was more intimately present this was situated in a certain region well known to the ancient greeks by them called the land of darkness and although many controversies have arisen upon that matter yet so much is undisputed that from a region of the like denomination the most refined aeolists have borrowed their original from whence in every age the zealous among their priesthood have brought over their choicest inspiration fetching it with their own hands from the fountainhead in certain bladders and disploding it among the sectaries in all nations who did and do and ever will daily gasp and pant after it now their mysteries and rites were performed in this manner it is well known among the learned that the virtuosos of former ages had a contrivance for carrying and preserving winds in casks or barrels which was of great assistance on long sea voyages and the loss of so useful an art at present is very much to be lamented though i know not how with great negligence omitted by pancyrilus it was an invention ascribed to aeolus himself from which this sect is denominated and who in honour of their founder's memory have to this day preserved great numbers of those barrels whereof they fix one in each of their temples first beating up the top into this barrel upon solemn days the priest enters where having before duly prepared himself by the methods already described 
a secret funnel is also conveyed to the bottom of the barrel which admits new supplies of inspiration from a northern chink or cranny whereupon you behold him swell immediately to the shape and size of his vessel in this posture he disembogues whole tempests upon his auditory as the spirit from beneath gives him utterance which issuing ex editis and penetralibus is not performed without much pain and griping and the wind in breaking forth deals with his face as it does with that of the sea first blackening then wrinkling and at last bursting it into a foam it is in this guise the sacred aeolus delivers his oracular belches to his panting disciples of whom some are greedily gaping after the sanctified breath others are all the while hymning out the praises of the winds and gently wafted to and fro by their own humming do thus represent the soft breezes of their deities appeased it is from this custom of the priests that some authors maintain these aeolists to have been very ancient in the world because the delivery of their mysteries which i have just now mentioned appears exactly the same as that of other ancient oracles whose inspirations were owing to certain subterraneous effluviums of wind delivered with the same pain for the priest and much about the same influence on the people it is true indeed that these were frequently managed and directed by female officers whose organs were understood to be better disposed for the admission of those oracular gusts as entering and passing up through a receptacle of greater capacity and causing also a pruriency by the way such as with due management has been refined from carnal into a spiritual ecstasy and to strengthen this profound conjecture it is further insisted that this custom of female priests is kept up still in certain refined colleges of our modern aeolists who are agreed to receive their inspiration derived through the receptacle aforesaid like their ancestors the sibyls and whereas the mind of man when he gives the spur and bridle to his thoughts does never stop but naturally sallies out into both extremes of high and low of good and evil as first flight of fancy commonly transports him to ideas of what is most perfect finished and exalted till having soared out of his own reach and sight not well perceiving how near the frontiers of height and depth border upon each other with the same course and wing he falls down plump into the lowest bottom of things like one who travels the east into the west or like a straight line drawn by its own length into a circle whether a tincture of malice in our natures makes us fond of furnishing every bright idea with its reverse or whether reason reflecting upon the sum of things can like the sun serve only to enlighten one half of the globe leaving the other half by necessity under shade and darkness or whether fancy flying up to the imagination of what is highest and best becomes overshort and spent and weary and suddenly falls like a dead bird of paradise to the ground or whether after all these metaphysical conjectures i have not entirely missed the true reason the proposition however which has stood me in so much circumstance is altogether true that as the most uncivilized parts of mankind have some way or other climbed up into the conception of a god or supreme power so they have seldom forgot to provide their fears with certain ghastly notions which instead of better have served them pretty tolerably for a devil and this proceeding seems to be natural enough for it is with men whose imaginations are lifted up very high after the same rate as with those whose bodies are so 
that is, they are delighted with the advantage of a nearer contemplation upwards, so they are equally terrified with the dismal prospect of the precipice below. Thus in the choice of a devil, it has been the usual method of mankind to single out some being, either in act or in vision, which is in most antipathy to the god they had framed. Thus also the sect of the Aeolists possessed themselves with a dread and horror and hatred of two malignant natures, betwixt whom and the deities they adored perpetual enmity was established. The first of these was the chameleon, sworn foe to inspiration, who in scorn devoured large influences of their god, without refunding the smallest blast by erectation. The other was a huge terrible monster called Moulinavent, who with four strong arms waged eternal battle with all their divinities, dexterously turning to avoid their blows and repay them with interest. Thus furnished and set out with gods as well as devils was the renowned sect of Aeolists, which makes this day so illustrious a figure in the world, and whereof that polite nation of Laplanders are beyond all doubt a most authentic branch, of whom I therefore cannot without injustice here omit to make honourable mention, since they appear to be so closely allied in point of interest as well as inclinations with their brother Aeolus among us, as not only to buy their winds by wholesale from the same merchants, but also to retail them after the same rate and method, and to customers much alike. Now whether the system here delivered was wholly compiled by Jack, or as some writers believe rather copied from the original at Delphos, with certain additions and emendations suited to times and circumstances, I shall not absolutely determine. This I may affirm, that Jack gave it at least a new term, and formed it into the same dress and model as it lies deduced by me. I have long sought after this opportunity of doing justice to a society of men for whom I have a peculiar honour, and whose opinions as well as practices have been extremely misrepresented and traduced by the malice or ignorance of their adversaries. For I think it one of the greatest and best of human actions to remove prejudices and place things in their truest and fairest light, which I therefore boldly undertake, without any regards of my own beside conscience, for honour, and the thanks. End of section 8